Welcome to the Winning Edge Investments Podcast. Winning Edge Investments provides industry-leading horse racing and sports betting tips, ratings and education, enabling you to invest intelligently and treat your betting like a business. Go to www.winningedgeinvestments.com to learn more about how you can start to supercharge your betting bank immediately. Treat your betting like a business and invest intelligently with Winning Edge Investments. Today we're joined by Alan Endres, the owner of Group 1 winner Alligator Blood. How are you, Alan? Yeah, good, thanks, Brad. Yep, um, no problems at all from this end. Good to hear, mate. I wanted to get you on the show because you've been a, a polarising and very vocal figure in Alligator Blood's story. Um, very popular horse, and I also know you've been um, a bit of a risk taker in your life and been through many challenges. Um, so firstly, tell us about your background professionally and how you got into racing. Yeah, look, um, Brad, it's been a, on the on the uh, business side, It's that's been a 20-year uh, interesting journey, to say the least. Um, I think what I like to do is make sure that the good, the bad, and the ugly is transparent for everybody to read. So my background is out there for everybody to see. So you would have seen the history of that. Um, I've been involved as an accountant in an earlier life. I've seen a lot of things in that journey. And... Um, in the uh, in the early 90s, Brad, we, my business partner and I, we've been involved with mergers and takeovers and companies. So you sort of get used to the litigation and, and those sort of things when you're chasing those risk uh, investments. Um, but little did I suspect that uh, one of our products would be um, the recipient of monies from the Commonwealth Government. And, you know, once you put paperwork in and you get a, an $8.725 million check, you don't sort of think that, uh, you're going to fall off a cliff because, you know, systems and controls aren't in place in government. And uh, and all of a sudden, that's the 20-year journey in litigation. Um, I was pretty good with it during that process. Uh, the only problem was, of course, people don't realise that, you know, we'd had assets frozen for 20 years, 80-odd million dollars, um, houses and, and all the trinkets of life. And it's given me a bit of a different perspective now on asset protection when you're looking at investments. And, and uh, that's a big push that I do with a lot of our investors now um, that, you know, look, you don't know what's coming around the corner and you need to be prepared for it. There's nothing wrong with going bankrupt as far as I'm concerned. I think that's a journey of human and uh, uh, the way you we, we go through life in business um, that, uh, that people take risks. I mean, I've got in my accounting days, uh, you know, 60 percent of my clients would would struggle with uh, small businesses, whether they're coffee shops and they put their lives at risk. So asset protection is a big thing for me now, for people, um, as, as part of that. Um, I was facing criminal charges at one stage, Brad, uh, with my partner, and that was pretty scary because you, you know, you, you're looking at 10 years in the cell and, and you wonder where that's going to end up. Um, having said that, I did enjoy the Stir Crazy movies and <laughs> took a bit of a lighter side to it. Uh, uh, you know, you can get through that as well. And, and, um, and that sort of led to uh, looking for alternative things to, to keep yourself amused as well, that you fight the cases and the hard battle. Uh, never give up has been a big push that I've had. And um, and it was young Brad Spicer that, uh, you know, in the 2008s when we came good and sponsored the money for the Bulldogs and my passion has been the Western Bulldogs. So there's a, a long 64-year journey of, of patiently, uh, you know, the club winning that yeah, premiership in yeah, yep. 2016. Um, and they epitomised everything that was sort of around my, my world then, in, in business, in, in, in sport. Um, you just can't give up. And, 
Brad introduced me to uh, the horsing game and we we, uh, we did a deal for twenty odd thousand dollars as I recall back then and he said Al uh, I'll give you a, a, you know ten percent interest in two horses and uh, one um, one uh, did very very little and the second one was Fernandina and uh, we won a you know Caulfield Prelude and Vane Stakes and we're in the Guineas and was sold and I thought now how easy is this you know first up first horses. <laughs> Um, but since then, you know, you know, 30 or 40 horses later and creating syndicates and I've, I've realized that the racing industry is probably the hardest, uh, of anything I've ever done in terms of the, even the journey with the government on litigation and criminal. It's, 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 it's tough. And Racing's it, tough. Is that sort of where the name Alligator Blood came from? Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we, I got into a syndicate, uh, my auntie and uncle, Jeff and Robin and myself and the Easy Bonds number one syndicate. And we decided that, uh, you know, we could lose our money as good as anybody else ourselves by picking our horses and enjoying it. And, um, and Alligator Blood was one of those that we selected. And the name was always resonating. Uh, a lot of mates play poker and it really is, it really is such a great term for your personal life and business in that you've got to be tenacious, resilient, and never give up. You know, you, you're staring down the barrel, and if you just keep going, you don't know the outcome. You know, you may not win, but you've certainly had a fair shot. So that's where Alligator Blood came from. So let's talk about his career, and did you always know that he would be a Group 1 winner? Or I guess it's hard to, hard to know these kind of things early on, but um, you obviously had a lot of faith in the horse. Look, I think the starting point with every... Owner, and I'm learning a lot more now about um, the role that owners have in this country is is undermined because of the issues I've had with alligator blood on the drug side of things, the prohibited substance issue, the allegations there. But I think the starting point is that every owner that puts his steps into racing dreams of Group One glory. You dream of the big races, and if you look at that as a starting point, whether you're in a small syndicate or, or an outright owner. We all want the, the great races. You know, I read a lot on the history of the books and, you know, my heroes go back to horses like Man of War in 1919 and then you lead into uh, Sabaton and um, probably names that people don't even know today. Uh, I can even go back to the 1850s, a great horse <laughs> called Kingsham, um, which is, you know, the world's 154 races straight. So the, the, the point of that was that um, then you start to look for uh, the talent that you may think that'll match up to it. And the problem is there's so many advisors out there. It's, it's like the law. I learned that, you know, I trusted in, uh, in some of the, we, when I did my litigation, uh, we just didn't sort of wander in one day and decide to do a contract. You know, I had the, the best law firms in the country. Um, three of the greatest QCs this country's ever known. Uh, Alan Archibald QC, Alan Meyer QC, Jack Fagenboom. The list goes on, but you can't, fully rely on that expertise. You need to dig deep, uh, back it up with your own research, and there's things that have happened that I've pointed out to them that I wouldn't be here today in winning these court cases. And the same with racing. You need to research the bloodlines. You need to learn from others, the, the, the confirmation, um, the habits of the horses, um, the way in which they conduct themselves, and particularly the the way the trainer operates and the and the health and management of the horses. So um, I think that's when we picked Alligator Blood. And it wasn't so much in his early... We knew there was something there, but not at group level. 
uh, in his in his uh, trials. But that very first race, Brad, that was the moment for me that said, "Shit, we're onto something." This this boy. I remember that day because I, I backed uh, ridden with ease and I thought he was home and alligator blood came from absolutely nowhere. I couldn't believe and I thought, "Gee whiz, how good's this horse?" Brad, I uh, was at uh, on track that day on trackside, and uh, I was near the post, and I'd had a, had a bit of money on him, and I thought, well, we're gone for all money, you know, eight, ten lengths by the turn, and then I started to get excited, thinking, geez, I might I might get the place here. This is I can't. This is fantastic. And when he crossed that line against Written with Ease, poor old Stewie Kenrick. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the, the jockey was in for all money. That's when I knew that we all knew that this horse has got alligator blood. Yeah. He's really, you know. And looking back on a couple of his wins, obviously the Corfu Guineas defeat to Super Seth was, um, would have been difficult to, to take? Uh, look, I don't take negatives, to be honest, Brad. I've been through 20 years of negatives and people, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, a half glass full overflowing bloke. I, I like to look at, uh, there was a great saying from Robert Holmes of Court, one of our great entrepreneurs in the 80s that uh, launched the bids for BHP and things. And Robert said, um, as an accountant on a balance sheet, there's no such thing as liabilities, only opportunities. And I think if you apply that, um, the takeout of the, the guineas was that uh, we were up there with the best. You know, we knew that at that point, the group one was only a matter of time. Um, and to the credit of Super Seth, I mean, it was a sensational run, as what Al did to Written with Ease. Yep. <laughs> Very but, similar. Yeah, and I think the, the, the take out of that was more about shielding uh, young Ryan, that, you know, he was gutted. He, he thought he had the race. Uh, and the first reaction we got was, and can I still ride Alligator Blood? Which, which um, we're not that sort of owners. You know, we give people more opportunities and, and and we've been well and truly rewarded with that from Ryan, and he was worried about losing the rides. So it wasn't so much. And look, to be honest, if you look at a money sense, I've, as I said, I, I asset protect now. Um, money's only something you need today in case you don't die tomorrow, Brad, to be honest. Yep, that's a good way to so, look at it. Yeah, and I think, um, look, I had $3,300 each way at 200 to 1 and 40 to 1. So... Um, you know, if you want to go and neck yourself worrying about the prize, well, that's that's neither here nor there. Yep. Oh, that's still a good place. Uh, place payout anyway. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. So, and um, it just reinforced our belief that you know he'd come off a great run in the um, in the prelude, um, and there's some fantastic breed of three-year-olds, a crop of three-year-olds he's facing. So uh, it was leading up to an exciting year to come. You know, leading up to the Magic Millions there. Eh? And you end up getting out that group one with the Australian Guineas. Oh, look, that's uh, that's you know that's the the top of the tree. That's uh, I would have been uh, gutted in the sense if there'd been any sort of drug issues at that point. Um, the Magic Millions is a wonderful race and it's about money, uh, but the Group One trophy that's sitting behind me that's that's precious. Uh, means everything to me, and um, I think the excitement that of that race will go down prior to that, obviously with Catalyst, uh, you know, in the CS Hayes, that'll be one of the races we'll see, you know, repeated on TV for a long time to come. That was gut-wrenching, and Al showed his, his, his true alligator blood. Yep, that's what racing's all about, that clash with, with Catalyst there. Oh, mate, it was sensational. And, look, Catalyst, uh, beautiful, wonderful red horse, 
credit to their team, and I'm so excited that uh, if Catalyst comes across and and Al and we have a match up again in the Golden Eagle, I mean, how good is that for racing? Yep. Win or lose. Yep. Just circling back on um, how you research your horses, can you give me a few names of you've, who's been really influential in your um, research? Is there anyone who you've learned a lot of? Or yeah, well, there are two people. One is um, obviously Uncle Jeff. Jeff has a uh, has a, had a background in, in harness racing for 50 years, and um, and he steered my direction with him in terms of looking beyond just what you see on the page. You know, yep. you've got to go back seven or eight to see the the type. And that, and when you think about it, it was the last tycoon cross of alligator blood that was sending messages to us, and we've since got another one called Crypto Tycoon, which is one of our business operations, and and he's got even a stronger pedigree with a with a great confirmation. Um, Bruce Slade's played a big role uh, from Newgate. Uh, Bruce is on his own now. We're, we're very good friends with um, Henry Field and the team there, and um, they've been fantastic because they, they want to share the knowledge, um, and that's, you know, they don't sort of isolate themselves. I think in a lot of businesses and personal relationships today, people tend to be possessive of what they've learnt. Um, yep. History tells us we, we repeat mistakes. We're doing the same with this economic mess now at the moment. Uh, we're not learning from history. So that forces you then to then do your own research. And I think the key, the key is the power of the internet gives you that capability to go right back. Um, yep. You know, I, I go back to 1854 with a great horse, a Hungarian horse, which is our home country, uh, called Kingsham. And people, we get excited about Winks, but Kingsham holds the, the record at 54 straight. Um, and then you start to see, you know, powerhouse horses that I enjoy, Man of War and um, Citation and Secretariat and Australian horses that, uh, you know, the, the great Might and Power. I, I, I visit Might and Power every time I go to Melbourne, the poor bugger, so um, that was a sad day. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, on the Magic Millions, what's the latest there? I know there's an inquiry happening at a date to be fixed. What's the latest with that? Look, it's very interesting, Brad. Um, it's it's a very interesting thing, the way the rules are structured. So if you can take a few minutes with this, it's important for owners. I've, I've sort of taken up the bat and ball for owners in terms of the industry. Now, for me, I think for a long time the tail's been wagging the dog. Um, owners have been expected to, to take the consequences without any... Uh, natural justice issues allowing them to see what happens as a result of prohibited substance. Now, don't get me wrong, you can't have performance-enhancing drugs, period. It's, it's about a level playing field, and, and that's the, that is the top of the racing standards. We don't want to go back to the dark days. And, uh, and, and I don't want to see the, the impact of, of injury or otherwise to our horses. That's important. Having said that, if you look at the owner's situation, Without an owner, I'll say it here and now clear, loud and clear, there is no industry. You know, you can have all of the tracks, you can have all the regulations, you can have the regulatory bodies, you can have the trainers, you can have the vets, you can have the jockeys, you can have betting. Without people risking money, big money, whether you're in a small syndicate or an owner outright, there is no racing industry, period. So the risk takers, as I've done with my court, my court battles, my successes with our businesses in Zucas and cryptocurrency, you take risks. Now, if you take the risks, you expect there's, an, there's a consequence, but you expect a fair consequence. Now, in Alligator Blood's case, 
the, 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 the drug is called Altrinogist. Now, Altrinogist is a non-performance enhancing drug, period. You know, we've, we've got the, the, the on-site of the manufacturers. We've got specialist vets that have come involved with us now. It does absolutely nothing of a performance to a gelding. Having said that with the mares, it's about controlling the calmness of, of the, the fertility cycles in mares and fillies. And it's been openly used to the advantage of, by the way, uh, as, as evidenced by Chris Waller himself, with winks. Black Caviar's been on it, um, certainly Maccabi Diva. And, and I think that's a positive thing because you don't want... If, if anybody's been around a mare that's fired up, let me tell you, it's not a pleasant environment. Yep. It's not fun. And it's dangerous. It's dangerous to all those around the animal. And people don't realise that a lot of the the strappers and uh, training jockeys, etc. These are young people. These are young boys and girls that have loved the horses, and my daughter's one of them, and they take risks just being around them, and you, you've got to minimise that. So in a drug sense, Brad, um, what's happened is I've found that uh, I've now got a, a very high-powered QC, Peter Dunning QC, and a good legal team in Gaydens, and we are, we've actually going to try and assist Racing Australia revise the rules that's to the, the benefit of both the impact on, on the drug being uh, found on the one hand and what it means to the owners. So give me an example. Chris Waller in 2014 openly admitted, pleaded guilty to administering a performance-enhancing drug with Janub. Now, Janub lost the Metropolitan Group 1. The owners suffered a half a million dollar loss. Chris mitigated his situation because of the inquiry and was reduced to a $30,000 fine, and another runner he had ended up winning that race. Now, there's no natural justice to the owners of that horse to minimise or pro rata adjust the effect. Yep. So you, you don't take away a half a million dollars because the industry itself can't write the rules correctly. And what should happen is there should be a scale, like in football. You know, if, you, if the drugs are number 10, which is a, a Smearden-type environment, then obviously everybody should get disqualified and the horse. If it's number one, uh, like Angela, who had the, the alternatives with a horse at running Ipswich, and she got a, a $3,000 fine, then maybe there's a $3,000 fine to the owners or an adjustment to the prize money. But you shouldn't tarnish the reputation of that horse for the history books forever. And that's what's happened with Janu. So have you, have you had any more inquiries about how Alternatives could have got into alligator blood? Um, look, David and his team, are, uh, obviously, they have the right for an inquiry. We as owners aren't invited to the inquiry. Yep. Let me say that. <laughs> We're just supposed to take it and, and hand back $1.2 million. Now, David uh, is pleading not guilty. He's given all the records of Alternatives that's used quite legally and appropriately with the mayors. There is no evidence to suggest how that transition will cross over. The only thing I'm getting from the manufacturers is you'd need a significant dosage to even get a reading, which could only come from concentration by injection. Now, that throws a spanner in the works as to, well, how did that happen? Because that's a deliberate... Given the circumstances of um, getting to the track um, with the crash on the highway, is, is there a chance that it could have been mistakenly used to try and calm the horse down, do you think, or...? I don't believe so. I mean, the um, uh, even the calm the horse down doesn't make any effect. I mean, Al's 
prior to that has shown his, um, you know, the way he uh, has raced and um, and the issues that were surrounding that day, you'd need a, you know, you'd need almost uh, Valium to knock the hell out of him to calm him down because, you know, I was there on the, on the moment that he got off the truck, the way he was uh, agitated, uh, he was agitated leading out. Uh, we had issues with the, uh, sh- the shoe coming off. We had the gates breaking. Uh, you know, the horse shouldn't have even run the way he was doing. There was six other horses that day, and, and Al was the only one that performed. So it's not a, there's not enough of it, or there's not a, a performance enhancing to give him what he achieved. And the good thing was, you know, if that was the case, you saw the effect that he had post that with the CSA stakes uh, with Catalyst. Um, and the way in which, uh, as, as uh, Matt Hill said, in the guineas, he ran his heart out. That big heart was pounding. Uh, I haven't seen even the readings, but, it, you know, it'll be minuscule. And, um, you know, the chances of it being uh, inadvertent, well, we, again, let's go back to basics. Um, Altrenagist, um, it, it's, it's classified as a non-performance enhancing drug. That's why there's conflict between the rules in the states, different states here. Yeah. Yep. You know, mayors can, fillies can do it. Um, so there you go. It'll be very interesting inquiry to see how it all plays out. So hopefully um, it's not too far off from getting a, a, a result either way, but hopefully you guys can keep the prize money. Look, it's, it's, it's a bit more complicated than that because, again, the inquiry relates under Section 240, subsection 2, it's an inquiry that's only for the trainer. Um, the way the rules are structured, as of here and now today, Alligator blood is disqualified. Yep. So, so rule 240, subsection 1, is a very strict rule. There is no uh, leeway either to conduct an inquiry or mitigate that position. So my position has been, which we've been building in the last month, in fact, you know, Racing, Racing Queensland will be, will be getting notification directly as owners of our position challenging in the Supreme Court that rule. So on a number of levels, because we're not... The, there is no discretion by the under the rules for the stewards to reverse the decision in in any event. It's a strict it's a strict rule. Do you know if there's I know you do a lot of research. Would would there have been a case like this which has gone to the Supreme Court before? No, no. So setting no. quite a precedent. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do two things. One is um, set a precedent uh, on behalf of all owners that are subject to this without any rights to mitigate their position, that it's got to be justice. I mean, the, the Legislative Standards Act of 1992 clearly stipulates that rules that are enforced must be given fair natural justice and can't retrospectively take away rights. Yep. That's not in the rule, for a start. So um, th- that, that's one issue for the owners that we're pushing. And the other is there is an answer. And the answer is rewrite the rules and create sort of a scale effect that says, well, if Chris Waller only gets a $30,000 fine for Janub, the owner shouldn't be losing 500000 and Janub should not be written up for the rest of history as a, as a drug-taking prohibited horse. Yep. He's yep. a beautiful horse. You know, he's a Group 1 winner. So do you think so more, 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 more flexibility and you know, not just a blanket-type rule? Is that kind of what you're looking for? Yeah, a bit like the, um, the, the way you, we treat our AFL, NRL players. You know, you get a couple of strikeouts, this sort of thing. I mean, it's not hard. If if it turns out that there's a, a a conspiracy by the owner and trainer to administer drugs, then that means a life ban and the horse is gone. That might be scale number ten. Yeah. You know, if it turns out that it's alternatives, that means nothing. 
and there's a $3,000 fine to the trainer, well, you don't take away $1.2 million when the trainer's got a $3,000 fine. You know, either there's a percentage reduction, 10 or 20% or whatever it is, but you don't tarnish the horse. I'm worried about the history books reflecting that, you know, alligator blood, superstar, he could win 10 group ones in a row and he will always be stuck with this absolute nonsense of an altrenagist that means nothing, yep. that yep. has no consequence, and he's black blackballed forever. Yep. And I know part of that would be there's been a lot of talk on social media about uh, the horse, and you know he, he he was and probably still is a very very popular horse, but it um, the way social media works, there's a lot of people who've so, sort of um, tried to denigrate him a little bit, which is which is unfortunate. Oh, look, I love social media. Um, that's, well, that's been a, a release valve for me. I get some real trolls out there, and I, I like knocking the hell out of them and, and, and tell them to, you know, grow up a bit and have a bit more crack. I mean, I've had things written about me you can't even print. So um, that doesn't worry me in the slightest. But uh, I think what I'm we've, – we've got 144,000 supporters of alligator blood. So let's put that in perspective. You know, you get 10 dimwits out there that want to take me on, uh, which I'm happy to do. And um, I've got no secrets. You can call me a scoundrel or a crook, whatever you like. Um, doesn't matter. Water off a duck's back. But when when it comes to alligator blood and the horses, um, only Robin and Uncle Jeff, there's a huge passion. I mean, people don't realise that while I'm sitting here, Jeff's Jeff's been working with the trainers and, you know, prior to the COVID issue, um, they'd be at the stables every morning. They'd be at the track work at four in the morning. Um, you know, there's a real uh, love of the horses, and that's where we—that's the starting point. And I think the industry generally—that's what happens. You know, we we outsource our horses too. Like Rancho Montoya, you know, he's having a wonderful time there as a new dressage eventing horse. Um, he could have gone on to big things as well. He, he'd won quite a few races, and but we're pleased that uh, he's in a good home. So yeah. that's the sort of thing we like to push. Winning Edge Investments is an independent provider of tips, ratings, and betting education on horse racing and sports, recruiting only the best full-time professional punters and expert analysts. Does your tipping service offer transparent posting of results every day using an achievable odds recording method? Do they offer a 120-page betting education pack with every membership? And do they provide a profit guarantee, loyalty bonus credits, refer-a-friend bonuses, and special insider discounts to valued members? If not, head over to winningedgeinvestments.com for a different, better experience. Treat your betting like a business and invest intelligently with Winning Edge Investments. So what's what's next for Alligator Blood? I know he didn't perform as well as he could in the All-Star Mile, but what's, what's on the agenda for him? coming up in the next few months? Look, um, the, the, the most important uh, race on the radar starting point is the Golden Eagle. And if you look at that field, he rightly deserves to be favourite, Brad. Um, I think he's 450, most of the betting companies. And if you think about what I've been telling people, we could have sold Alligator Blood for $3.2 million, bang, gone. Um, you probably get a sense of it, you know, as I said, you know, money's something you only need today in case you don't die tomorrow. For me, it's, it's was it was that offer from Hong Kong or um, overseas or yep. yeah Hong Kong. So we'd had a number of offers. We'd had after his first race, and which was a sensational race that people should watch. Uh, it's staggering that race. Um, you know, we'd sort of started offers at four hundred, five hundred thousand. 
then it got to 1.2 million and 2.6 and so on. But I've been telling the public what I miss as a young boy for me in the 80s and 90s was these incredible gelding challenges that we'd had. You know, the, the Manacados and um, Might and Power and Vorogue and Bone Crusher and our Wavelings. I mean, the list goes on. It's sensational. And we've lost it all. The, the young two-year-olds end up going to stud, the three-year-olds. They're sold to Hong Kong. And if you have a look at that Golden Eagle list, where are all the challenges for Al? Yeah, you know, a, all... a lot of um, retirees as well. A lot of a lot of Colts have retired, but also Pierrata and Redzel leaves a bit of a void for the, uh, oh. especially for the sprinter types. Yes, yes, yes is gone. You've got Super Seth. You've got Alabama Express. It's, it's retired with injury. You've got, the, you know, that's a pretty powerful list. Now, we could have been gone too, but as I said, we've got 144,000 supporters. They just want to see this bloke give his best. I've told them. It's don't worry about the win or lose. Obviously, we'd like the win. It's what he puts in. You know, you, you saw horses like uh, the celebration in, the, sadly, the death of, um, uh, you know, Might and Power, a bit of a hero of mine. Um, used to visit him all the time at Living Legends. They're great people there. They've, um, we've done it, you know, we did a deal with Living Legends uh, where the, the New South Wales Racing gives $400,000 to a nominated charity if they win, and my charity is Living Legends because, you know, at some stage, alligator blood may end up in Living Legends, you know, a nice home and people to see. So um, that's the starting point. Uh, I was, we were heading with the Everest. Um, I was disappointed, bitterly disappointed with uh, TAB didn't give us the break to back us when that prohibited substance came up. Um, and look, that's business, that's commercial, I get it. Um, they've got reputation. It's bad enough we're in my background, let alone the horse. Um, you know, as I say to people in meetings, what you see is what you get. If you don't like my background, we can shake hands, have a coffee and move on. Uh, you don't have to deal with me. You know, there's 7 billion people on the planet to deal with. I'm not gonna make everybody happy. Yeah. But yeah. I was disappointed that they didn't take that risk because it, uh, alligator blood is, is, is about people uh, wanting to see something in, in, a, in, a, in, to be honest, we're coming into shitty times, Brad. I've seen what happened to us in the 80s, not nowhere near what's happening now. We've got an economic meltdown that's happening. We've got politicians that are struggling to work out what to do. Um, this is not going to be a good time. And, uh, you know, every generational period something comes out of the blocks to distract us. And uh, if you go back into the 1930s and things, you've got Seabiscuit, you've had horses in earlier that with Man of War in America, um, the recessions in the 70s with Secretariat, you've got Farlap, obviously, Superstar, no question. And maybe there's a distraction with Alligator Blood that the year 2020 is about, you know, let's, let's, get, let's get tenacious as a, as a community as a society, as Australians, and let's get resilient, let's put it to one side, but let's never, ever give up. And that's what people will see resonate with Al. So if there's a spot in the Everest, that'll be fantastic, we're there. But um, uh, if not, Al's got uh, a long journey ahead of him. We've got uh, maybe possibility with Cox Plate, but we'd prefer that next year as a better, uh, more mature horse. Um, he looks an absolute machine. He's only just rocked back into the stables uh, yesterday. People, look out. This boy, he's itching. He's, uh, he's, 
if, if he'd have seen Super Seth, I don't think he would have uh, let him across that line. And I see TAB have taken up Nature Strip as their slot um, for the Everest. Yeah, look, I, well, I, guess, I guess you're pretty confident you can beat him. Oh, look, um, people people forget that uh, Al's won a lot of his races at 1,200 and he's got this great turn of foot. Um, if you look at some of his sectionals in those last 200, uh, 400, they're pretty powerful. And we haven't stretched him. Um, Ryan and David have been clearly under instructions that um, it's about the long, longevity of the horse. And, you know, the, the All-Star Mile, although it was uh, wonderful to be in, we were very reluctant, really, on that one. Because uh, he'd had a huge campaign, he'd had 10 months really, and we worried about him. Um, but the All-Star Mile was fantastic because my objective with the All-Star was that that was the function for my wife um, with terminal cancer. May very well be the last function that she'll have all the friends together, the way things are happening at the moment, uh, which is sad. And um, But fantastic memories for all those people around us. We didn't see Al run. She hasn't seen Al run live which is sad and, and may never may never will. But, um, yeah, so that, that's got wonderful memories as a race, not the, the fact that he came 10th, but he was tired, you know. But he's, he's perfect timing now with his break. Yep. And how, how is your wife going? Is she... Um... Uh, look, we're... Um, we've had, uh, like, she's on heavy chemo, a new chemo at the moment, Brad. Um, it's travelled to the lungs. Um we, we've set a goal to, to get Joy to um, uh, our daughter's wedding in October, but we may have to bring that forward, Brad. So um, Joy's she's she she has got alligator blood. Let me tell you, because far more <clears throat> far more stoic than me. Um, she's sick every day, and it's not 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 pleasant. I'm sorry to hear that, mate. Uh, um, yeah, hopefully she can um, be there for your daughter's wedding. That'd be fantastic yeah. for everyone. But she certainly. Um, she loved all her friends around us. I'm, I'm glad I, I took the action. It was a negative from the public's perception of, you know, the cancellation of Al in the race. But, um, you know, we didn't get a free ride. We paid for everything ourselves. We just wanted the venue. And it, it'll be one of the greatest memories that our group of friends and of school schoolmates will ever have. And for that, I'm, I'm eternally grateful. And, and Al was the trigger. If he hadn't been such a force in uh, popularity and name and presence then we may never have had that venue for Joy. Yep. I'm, I'm sure he's given her a lot of great memories. Oh, look, um, we've got another one running tomorrow. She's pumped about him. Uh, we've, we're excited for our little bloke coming out tomorrow. Um, keep an Wolf eye Moon? on him. Wolf Moon. Yep. <laughs> he's, he's another one I've named. Um, it, it's named after uh, – it's, it's basically nearly a 100-year event this year in January. On January 20, we had a super blood Wolf Moon. It's a Native American thing. And it's about a rebirthing. It means to uh, start again and move forward. And I don't think you could get a better situation of the calamity we've had in this world this year. It's, you know, if you looked at the stars and you think about it, geez, you would have had a warning sign back then. Um, And Wolf Moon is, he's as precious to us as alligator bloody. Jeff and I picked him as a, as a yearling at Newgate Stud. Uh, We made an offer prior to the sale. We got him, and um, uh, he's an absolute gem. So he had his trial last week. Um, things are a little bit tight because of the timing. We always give the horses a lot more time. Um, we, we, we x-ray their, their knees and legs literally every couple of months, which is unusual. A lot of people don't do that. 
Um, if they're not mature enough, we turf them out. But, um, yeah, Wanji is his nickname. Wanji um, had a great trial uh, track work on Tuesday. Ryan said he was, was very, very hard-held and ready to let loose. Um, we hope for big things tomorrow. But even if he wins that, it's, it's a battle. He's nom for the JJ. But uh, he may not have enough prize money to do that. So we've just got to sit back and see. But I think people will enjoy the style of racing of Wanji. And um, uh, I think somewhere along the line, the only mix-up that happened there, he might have had a bit of alligator blood feed with a bit of blood in him in that one. So <laughs> uh, the regulators can test that blood and see what happens. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've got another, another talented horse on your, on your hands. Um, just just um, with the... the current economic times we're in i know you've you've seen a lot in business and um i guess you've followed politics and the, the commonwealth government government quite uh, closely i know you've been followed by asic and yep. probably the afp and things like that how are you handling the coronavirus and pandemic um and what what is the future hold? What, what what's your view on it all look i think um if 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 you you're better to be prepared. If you put your head in the sand, you're not going to cope because you know if you research, if people take the time to look at what happened in 1930, you know they had the Roaring Twenties. We all had a great time, and all of a sudden, whack! You know there was one or two trigger events that that collapsed the share market. That's always a that's always a start of what's coming. Um, you know people said to me, oh well the share market hasn't reacted because I've been telling people in recent weeks and months on social media, uh, look to sell your stock into the, into the, as they rise and, and go short because, you know, the same thing happened to us in 87. Um, you know, I, I was worth a lot of money uh, in the lead up to 87. You could throw a, a dart at a board, Brad, with a company. I mean, I've seen stocks that we had, companies like Cooper's Resources, which are in oblivious now, went from one and two cents to $6.90. And, uh, you know, you go to lunch and you've got two or three hundred grand. It was pretty easy money. Um, the good news about 87 was when it hit, it shocked us all. Uh, I did get rid of all my tax problems. So that was a bonus because I lost a bloody lot. Um, it was easy. Yeah. Get rid of the tax problem. But people and the younger ones haven't experienced it. If you look at the generational shift, those that are between sort of, you know, 30 and under, um, we haven't had a, a, you know, money's been cheap. In my day, we paid 18, 19% interest on housing loans. I mean, you couldn't even begin to believe how you'd fund that today. Um, you know, you got interest rates 2 or 3% and so on. Uh, housing prices are overpriced. There's got to be a complete readjustment. You can't put that many people out of work uh, without uh, money coming in the door and expect them to be driving consumer demand, which then feeds businesses, and you can't expect them to be funding the houses. I mean, it's all right for the banks to say, we'll, get, we'll do a six-month deferral. But but what is a deferral? That's only compounding the problem in six months' time. Exactly. I don't think a lot of the economic impact really even hit, hit yet, has it? I think we're just um, no. being shielded from it for a little bit. Look, Brad, we're, we're in for a rough ride, and it's, it's going to be – this is tough – um, this is and, and the, my biggest issue people don't read in the 30s one of the greatest things that happened was a massive increase in suicides you know it's one thing to worry about coronavirus and getting sick it's another to be mentally disturbed uh, and all those issues that relate to that that people can't cope because people just can't cope with 
you know, how to, I mean, I, I've been in a situation, I had lots of money, and then the next May I've woken up and everything's frozen. Now you think about that. You, you're used to um, 500, a million dollars a month coming in the door from your businesses, and then it's gone. And then you're supposed to wake up and, and pay the rent, uh, or when I say rent, we own the house, but, you know, mortgage, you're supposed to buy food, um, if, you know, I can recall that the, um, you know, I, I ran out, of, didn't have money to fill the car to go to the lawyers to Melbourne, and I was lucky I had enough change in the bloody drawer to, to do it because I forgot that my cards weren't working. Um, you know, so, so you've you've been through some. I know you you probably um, uh, portrayed to have a lot of money, but you've been through some some tough times yourself. Well, I've had uh, the government. This is uh, you know three bankruptcies that I've won and and uh, and fought. Um, people wonder why I bother with it, but the reality is, look, we got $8.725 million, Brad. That's no doubt about it. We had a four-year contract to pay it back. Um, and all of a sudden, we've got all these businesses. We had some of the best mining leases in New South Wales, uh, gold reserves, uh, tenements today that are worth hundreds of millions. There's a company that we had that we lost and was frozen. It's worth $900 million today, even today's market. Um, we sued the government for $4.3 billion. Now, people laugh at that, but there's a reason. That was the value of the internet business valued at the time by, uh, you know, Harvard uh, um, professors and, and experts. We've only ever used the best experts in my businesses, uh, QCs, um, legal firms, and so on. Um, but the problem was you're fighting government that they've got other resources and, you know, they can pull in ASIC. They've got the federal police. We've had the houses raided all that sort of stuff, uh, straight out of a bad movie, really. And, and and the worst one was, I don't mind fighting the civil proceedings, <clears throat> but then they started to get a bit nasty and they accused Peter and my, myself of being involved in a conspiracy to take the money out of the government department of finance and they charged us with criminal conspiracy. So, you know, we were facing a criminal court. Now, when you sit in a courtroom on a wooden chair looking at 12 people that don't want to be there, and their lives are affected by you messing up their lives by, you know, this criminal case, the best outcome is that they say, let's get over and done with and just make them guilty. That's the reality of the jury. So we were acquitted without going to jury. The judge threw it out without even going there. He said it was an absolute nonsense and a travesty. But um, for that journey in the litigation, you then readjust yourself, which is what I'm trying to tell people, be ready, be prepared, because the next 12 months is going to be horrific. We've got governments around the world printing money, Brad. People don't understand what that means. That That's where there's, a, there's an effect on the value of your currencies. You know, you can't print three trillion US dollars and have no consequence. Yep. And, and that's where the, it collapses. I mean, we haven't been in Argentina to see the collapses. We haven't been in Venezuela or Zimbabwe. Uh, in Hungary, my, my dad's home country. You know, those... That's when it really hits hard, and and we've got to be ready for that. And the politicians, I mean, look, I have dealt with 20 years of every major prime minister this country's ever had in their departments. I've got a document that shows that the reason we got the 8.7 million was because there was an internal fraud. The guy went to jail, David Muir, and Ernest and Young have issued a report. We finally got discovery of it not that long ago that it was complete incompetence in the government of managing the money. And would you believe the Department of Finance, Brad, was sharing all their passwords with direct access to the reserve bank bank accounts? I mean, 
I mean, the mind boggles. And yet you see today, I've, li- I've lived through the, 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 the Labor government and, and we've got the wonderful concepts of the GFC. Now, what genius thought of spending $4 billion on pink bats, for God's sake? Pink bats. Now, we had three deaths, or four deaths. Where's the accountability? Yep, I mean, yep. I, I, as, as a company director in the past, you go to jail if you mismanage shareholders' funds. So my, my problem is at a high level. I mean, we've got, you know, Scott Morrison. Um, let's, let's look at his history. I won't go through it now, but you've got a guy that's got a Bachelor of Science, you know, with a major in economic geography. What the hell is that going to help us with? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're talking economic calamity. Well, Brad, we have short memories. I mean, I got pinged for we, we had documentation beyond belief of, of the evidence of our position with this eight million dollars. Now, they got annoyed with, with the four point three billion we sued. We were we were in the budget in Appendix 11, uh, Appendix B, page 11, as a fiscal risk to the Australian budget for four point three billion. Now, that's not me. That's on behalf of thirteen hundred shareholders. Yep. So um, and they're trying to bankrupt me again now. I mean, in the last three months, the government's have another crack. So, you know, they've spent $18 million chasing me uh, for 8.725 that's been paid back. And why? You know why? Because they don't want people to see the mismanagement of public money. Hmm. That's a good point. Interesting, mate. Well, hopefully um, all of your court battles get settled one day soon and you can go on to uh, living a bit more of a normal life. <laughs> look, they um, those battles... Uh, uh, have taught me a lot, uh, to be honest, Brad, um, in the way we, we uh, as I said, asset protection is big. Um, I call it the Azaria Chamberlain principle. You may recall that uh, in Australian history, uh, Azaria Chamberlain was, was killed as a result of the, of the dingo. And, um, you know, if you ask 10 people, nine will tell you that, that Lindy Chamberlain killed the child. Um, the evidence has been, been quite the contrary. The fact was she had nothing to do with it. The High Court... Everybody. There's nothing to do with, with her killing her own child. It was a dingo. And a lot of the evidence that came out was because they're trying to protect tourism in, 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 uh, in Northern, Northern Territory. So motivation is a problem with government. They have too much resources because they don't care the way in which they use those resources. Because they go to work at nine, they go home at five, and they've just spent all your money. Yep. Um, you know, the Manus Islands, another little quick example... $80 million was paid up front without a contract being signed. The contract was then done six months later. Again, if that was you or me, Brad, we'd be in jail. Yep. yep. You, make, you make very good points, mate. Um, we've probably uh, diverted away from racing a little bit too much there, but um, I think it's, uh, it's, just very, it's very pertinent commentary um, during this time. So, um, yeah, it's good to get your thoughts on, on racing and... Um, the economic troubles we've got and how the government works. So, yeah, been, been a pleasure to talk to you, mate. And no, that's right, Brad. I think, look, the, let's circle back. It's it's all about the big alligator blood, those colours coming down. And um, I can assure everybody, our, our 144,000 fans, um, I'm going to take your attention away from this, uh, the calamities. And it's not going to be me. Al, alligator blood is going to resonate. And um, we'll see something pretty special. This is going to be a big four-year-old campaign. Fantastic, mate. It'll be a, a, good, a welcome distraction to, to see Alligator Blood winning, winning some big races. <laughs> well, whether he wins or not, Brad, it's, it's, I want people to see what, that's a, he's a trier. You know, he, he's, a, he's a gutsy a gutsy trier, and if something beats him, then it's going to have to be pretty good to beat him, and that's a special horse too. So, 
yeah, we're definitely all going to have to have some uh, resilience over the next couple of months and probably years, so um, we'll channel some alligator blood. Good on you. That's the way, Brad. And no trouble anytime. Catch up, and I hope people um, do a bit more research and just think back in history. That's the starting point. And, um, you know, if, if he can uh, uh, replicate Man of War that uh, won 21 races and only missed out by one race by a lip, then um, we've got a few good runs coming up. Yep, you'll be happy with that. And uh, good luck with uh, Wolf Moon and uh, all the best to your wife as well. Yeah, thank you, Brad. Appreciate that. Anytime. Thanks, Alan. Cheers, mate. Bye. At Winning Edge Investments, our team of highly skilled expert analysts and full-time professional punters review the data, crunch the figures, assess the best betting opportunities, and deliver them to your phone via our app and your email inbox in real time so you profit. Go to www.winningedgeinvestments.com, look at our membership options, make your choice, and enter the promo code PODCAST to receive a special 25% discount on your first membership just for listening. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T in capital letters for a 25% ongoing discount on your first membership. Treat your betting like a business and invest intelligently with Winning Edge Investments. 